Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to talk about the film Some Kind of Wonderful, from the year 1987. Okay, um, I'm going to talk about the plot to this film, and... I'm going to include a spoiler for the sake of the conversation that I'd like to have about this movie after I tell you about the plot. I hope that if you've never seen this movie, it won't turn you off to not wanting to check it out because I don't think it would hurt your viewing experience. And uh, that is the goal. <laughs> with this episode, I would like to turn more people on to this movie. Uh, it's not obscure, but it's not like super famous. So, <laughs> so let's see what happens, shall we? I will keep a bunch of stuff, uh, not a secret, but you know, I'm not going to like overdo it with my explanation of the plot because there's still some some surprises to be discovered if you watch the movie. But here's here's more or less what the movie's about. Okay. This movie is about Keith. Keith is a teenager. He's a mechanic who is an aspiring artist. He is best friends with a tomboy named Watts, who is secretly in love with him. But he's in love with Amanda, who is dating a rich D-bag named Hardy. <laughs> Amanda eventually breaks up with Hardy and Keith shoots a shot. He asks Amanda out and much to everyone's surprise, Amanda agrees to go on a date with Keith, but not because she's actually into him. It's more like she just wants to get back at Hardy, you know, like to prove to him, Hey, you know, people still like me and I can, have a life without you. I don't know what she's trying to prove, but she goes, she agrees to go on a date with Keith, you know, I guess just to kind of make him mad too, right? So Hardy, he pretends to be cool with this. And he even invites Keith to a party he's throwing where he has a secret agenda. He plans to beat Keith up in front of Amanda when he gets to the party, him and his, his friends, his posse. Now, Keith gets wind of this ahead of time, and he decides to go along with the date anyway to prove he's willing to not run from a fight. I'm not entirely sure what he's trying to get out of this. I guess he feels that this opportunity to date Amanda is so unique and he's so thrilled by it he's like whatever maybe maybe it's worth getting beaten up over so keith plans a perfect date for him and amanda including the weird decision to be chauffeured on this date by his best friend watts remember watts i told you about she's secretly in love with keith and i'm not going to go over everything that happens on the date <laughs> just watch the movie maybe you've seen the movie Watch it again. It's worth revisiting. It's whole, it holds up well, in my opinion. And in the end, and this is the part where I guess 
It's the most spoilery thing I'm going to spoil. In the end, Keith and Amanda agree they don't work as a couple. But Keith and Watts do. He realizes that he is, in fact, uh, in love with Watts. So he goes after her and he ends up with Watts. There you go. This film is the antidote to the poison that is the ending of Pretty in Pink. Now, <laughs> this film is like a Pretty in Pink in reverse, right? Because you have uh, <laughs> Molly Ringwald, who's in love with the rich boy, Blaine. But uh, she has a best friend in Ducky, who is not so secretly in love with her. He's pretty much shows her that he loves her. I mean, it's kind of a secret, but, you know, it's not super. He's not super good at keeping it a secret. And as the audience watches that film, I think a lot of people, myself included, feel like the right person was there for her all along, and that's Ducky. And in the end, the at least the first time you watch it, you're hoping that she'll come to her senses and choose the right person. But no, she ends up going for Blaine. And it's a fun movie. I like Pretty in Pink. In fact, I did a podcast episode about Pretty in Pink. And you're like, well, I know this because I already listened to that episode. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> and now we're talking about this movie, which is the opposite, because now you have, instead of the girl character, which Molly Ringwald plays, we change him to a boy character, which is played by... Um, <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Gosh, I can't believe that was uh, something that escaped my brain for a second. And the character that John Cryer plays in Pretty Pink, Ducky, who is the best friend who secretly loves uh, Molly Ringwald, we have Watts. Now we've changed the boy to a girl, and Watts is played by Mary Stuart Masterson. This is where things get a little different. What would be the Blaine character, which is the Andrew McCarthy character, is the character of Amanda, who is played by Leah Thompson. However, unlike Pretty in Pink, Amanda's not rich. However, Amanda's boyfriend, who is played by Craig Sheffer, he is rich. So I guess the idea is that Amanda is so pretty that she is desired by these, like, rich, uh, popular guys, you know? And because she dates rich guys, it kind of puts her in that, that circle of people at school. Like, people view her that way. Like, she is the kind of person that, not that she's high maintenance, but... You might trick yourself into thinking that she's high maintenance or that she's someone who might uh, you might have to win over with more expensive gifts because she's dating 
guys who can afford to give her expensive gifts, which makes uh, people like Keith, who's not poor, because I know the Molly Ringwald character was poor. He's more middle class. He's more blue collar. Um, still, he can't afford the luxuries that Craig Sheffer's character of Hardy can can afford for her. So he does feel a little inadequate. And when I said earlier that this film is the antidote <laughs> to the poison that is the ending of Pretty in Pink, what I mean is, unlike Pretty in Pink, which I do like, regardless of the ending, this film gets the ending right. The person that the audience feels, and, and, and you might be thinking, who are you to speak for the audience? I guess at the end of the day, I'm only speaking for myself. But <laughs> although this movie isn't super popular, once in a while, I come across people who have seen it, who have expressed their opinions about this movie, and I feel that this is the consensus among the small but loyal fans of Some Kind of Wonderful that we all agree that it ends, the movie ends the way it should. And a lot of people compare this film to Pretty in Pink because it's like that story, but in reverse. And we all agree <laughs> that unlike Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful ends with the main character ending up with the right person. It's a romance story, right? That's what you have invested in the film. You have characters that like other characters. And as an audience, you have an interest on in who you want to see these characters end up with. Do you want to see them end up with the more popular or the more rich person? Or do you want to see them end up with the person that they have more in common with? That has always been there for them. Their friendship is, has been nothing but loyal. And someone that you believe would make a great romantic partner for them. You know, not just, you know, sexually, but <laughs> a friendship. Uh, however, I, I do think that both films are, are entertaining uh, I am a, as you know, I am a sucker for movies from the eighties and it's a big part of why I enjoy these movies because not only do you get to spend time in the 1980s <laughs> when you watch these movies, but you get to spend the time with characters that are younger. I, I, I appreciate all kinds of movies from the eighties, but I really, really enjoy movies from the 80s with a young cast young as in uh, teenagers or young adults there's just something about youth that is uh, especially exciting for me to to watch because you get to see you know all the things that go along with uh, what you want to see in the 80s movies especially with young people you know like the fashion and the hairstyles and the lingo and and, and, you know, the kind of music they enjoy and all that kind of stuff. They're really good representatives of their decade. Now, when I watch movies about romantic couples, 
something that I do, which is, you know, maybe this is kind of silly, but I, I admit that I do it, is I ask myself in my mind after a couple ends up together. The movie is over and you see which people ended up together. I ask myself, if this was real life, do I think the these two people would stay together? Because <laughs> you watch an old movie and sometimes you can't help but to picture these two people today. Like, in this case, you're watching a movie from the 80s. You ask yourself, do I think these two people are still together in the year 2021 when this podcast episode was published? Uh, in the case of Pretty in Pink, the answer is no. I am 100% convinced that Andy and Blaine broke up. But you know what's kind of special about some kind of wonderful is I actually believe that Keith and Watts are still together. I totally picture these two people getting married, starting a family, living happily ever after. It, they just seem like the kind of people that never got tired of each other and enjoyed each other's company for the rest of their life. And there's something very special about that. Um, during the movie, when Keith has a crush on Amanda, it's to me very realistic that he would not recognize that his best friend, who's right under his nose, who he actually has lots of things in common with, is the one he's meant to be with, and that he is in fact infatuated with the pretty girl, the popular girl. And I think this is very realistic because of his age. I think that when you're younger, you fall for things like that. Now, that's not to suggest that Amanda's not a good person or that Amanda's not an interesting person, but really what does Keith know about her versus what he knows about Watts? He doesn't know, as far as I, I've seen in the movie, he doesn't know enough about her to warrant the infatuation he has on her outside of just being attracted to her. And this reminds me of, of my youth. I remember, you know, seeing a girl in school and finding her attractive. And, and I think when you are attracted to a person, you convince yourself in your mind that they are as interesting as you want them to be and that you do belong together and that you make it work in your head so that it's worth pursuing. And the reality is, <laughs> what are the chances, right? What are the chances that beyond the attraction, you two are actually a good fit? And as you get older, you realize how important it is to have things in common, to be friends, <laughs> to have it be more than just someone you're attracted to, and that it's really worth exploring a person's friendship and their personality and getting to know them before making 
a choice of whether or not you want to be with this person. Not rush into it because rushing into things are foolish. It's a foolish thing to do because you might get stuck with someone, you know, for a while that you, you learn the hard way is, is not the right person for you. Now, I think the Amanda character is a good person. But I don't think that Keith and Amanda work together. Now, there are two scenes in the movie where Keith is called on this. One is Watts asking Keith, what do you see in her? And there is another scene later in the film when Keith are, and Amanda are on their date where Amanda asks him, more or less, you know, why do you like me? And both times, Keith, in his own kind of way, avoids the question. He doesn't really answer them. And that seems also very realistic because he's a teenager. I think at this moment, he's being called on what he's doing, falling for someone he doesn't know anything about, simply because he's attracted to them. And when faced with the chance to express why he feels this way, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. And I mean, that's, that's honest, right? What teenager can really explain why they like a person? They don't know. It's all new to them, right? I wouldn't fault them for it. They're young. They're still learning life's lessons, but, uh, <laughs> it's just something that I, I noticed in, in some kind of wonderful, because as someone who's watching the movie, I found myself asking the very same question to Keith as I watched it. Like, why do you like her? <laughs> and then, and then the, and then he gets asked this question twice in the movie. He doesn't really have an answer. So there you go. Another story about young love in the 80s. Now, <laughs> here's something that may or may not seem obvious to you. I guess it depends on how much you know your classic rock. Did you ever notice that Eric Stoltz's character is named Keith? And the guitarist of the Rolling Stones is named Keith Richards. And Mary Stuart Masterson plays a character named Watts. And the drummer of the Rolling Stones is named Charlie Watts. Leah Thompson plays a character named Amanda Jones. And the Rolling Stones have a song called Miss Amanda Jones from their album Between the Buttons from the year 1967. This is not a coincidence. <laughs> this is by design, folks. And speaking of music, the title of the film, Some Kind of Wonderful, is also a song title by a band called The Drifters. And that song came out in the year 1961. I remember once in the 90s, the Drifters did a concert and, uh, or, you know, I guess the surviving members of the Drifters, I don't know, they're senior citizens by then. And I have a very versatile interest in music. I love all kinds of music. 
And, and strangely enough, around that time, I personally was listening to the Drifters a lot. And I was like, ooh, the Drifters, I'd like to see them. I could not convince any of my friends to go see a, a singing group of a, made up of senior citizens. So I took my mom. <laughs> that was my date to see the Drifters. This movie is directed by Howard Dutch. I don't actually know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He spells it D-E-U-T-C-H. Dutch? Dutch? I don't know. You know, Howard Dutch. Let me tell you what Howard Dutch made in the consecutive years of 1986, 1987, and 1988. In 1986, Howard Dutch made the film Pretty in Pink. In 1987, Howard Dutch made the film Some Kind of Wonderful. And in the year 1988, Howard Dutch made the film The Great Outdoors. And all three of those films were written by John Hughes. And after that, Howard Dutch never made a film ever again written by John Hughes. I don't need to tell you who John Hughes is. You all know who John Hughes is. In fact, John Hughes is so famous that a lot of people till this day, when you bring up the film Pretty in Pink, especially Pretty in Pink, some you know, also, you know, to some degree, some kind of wonderful, but especially Pretty in Pink, when you bring that title up, people go, oh, I love that John Hughes film. <laughs> and I'm always that jerk who goes, well, actually, <laughs> it's a Howard Dutch film. I always felt like Pretty in Pink uh, was to Howard Dutch what the Nightmare Before Christmas was to Henry Selleck, you know, because everyone credits the Nightmare Before Christmas as being a Tim Burton film, but it's actually directed by Henry Selleck. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, Howard Dutch is married to Leah Thompson. They're still married to this day, and they met while they were making some kind of wonderful. It's true. Um, <laughs> Originally, Howard Dutch wanted the part of Keith to be played by Michael J. Fox. And it's interesting because um, while I was watching the movie, strangely enough, I was actually picturing Michael J. Fox playing the role of Keith and trying to wonder what it would feel like. Uh, I'm not saying he would be better at it. I definitely think the movie would be more famous all these years later if Michael J. Fox had played Keith. But I, I, I feel like um, ultimately... Uh, Eric Stoltz was the right choice because Eric Stoltz has a more like, um, I don't even know how to describe him versus Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox has a confidence that, that Eric Stoltz doesn't have. And I think that was important for the character of Keith to have that kind of like less, you know, um, less cool. <laughs> Let's just call, call it as we see it, right? Michael J. Fox, he's cool. And, um, you know, there's also that Back to the Future connection, right? Because Leah Thompson was in uh, Back to the Future. But, you know, I mean, as far as... Oh, and, you know, I mean, you guys all know this, right? You all know that Eric Stoltz was the person who was originally casted to play Marty McFly. But it just wasn't working out. So they recasted uh, the film with Michael J. Fox. I feel like... Everyone, that, that story is so famous by now. Everybody knows it. So it's like, I'm not teaching anybody anything new with that one. Uh, Leah Thompson and 
Eric Stoltz have been in a movie together before this one. They're in a film called The Wildlife. I really like that film. That's a that's a pretty crazy film. Check that out if you have the opportunity to. Um, as far as Eric Stoltz is concerned, and now I just want to talk about the three leads. Eric Stoltz, Leah Thompson, and Mary Stuart Masterson. Very briefly, I just want to touch upon three films by each actor that I really like just for the heck of it, just because I want to. And for, for Eric Stoltz, I'm not saying this is my fa- favorite Eric Stoltz film. Um, I actually, I, I guess I really don't know what my favorite Eric Stoltz film is, but I do want to say that I think The Fly 2 is underrated. Um, <laughs> the, the Fly, starring Jeff Goldblum, is a very popular remake, and people love to sing its praises all the time. And I don't see as many people singing the praises of the sequel, and I think that The Fly 2 is also a very cool sci-fi horror film. If it's been a while since you've seen that movie, please check it out. Um, <laughs> Lee, um, Leah Thompson. I, I feel like Leah Thompson's one of those 80s actresses a lot of us Gen Xers kind of had a crush on. Um, for those of you who did <laughs> have a crush on, on Leah Thompson in the 80s, um, would you agree that the... Um, <laughs> I don't mean to sound like a like a like a sleazy creepy jerk by bringing this up, so please forgive me. But um, as far as like the sexiest us sleazy creepy jerks have ever been, when kind of you know having our little puppy dog crushes on on Leah Thompson back in the eighties, would you say the peak of that was when she played Kelly Ann Bukowski in Jaws three D? Wow, <laughs> she looks good in that, huh? Ah, forgive me. Let's move on, shall we? Mary Stuart Masterson plays Watts. I do know what my favorite Mary Stuart Masterson film is. It's Benny and June. I really like Benny and June. I think that I think that movie is great. Uh, <laughs> Keith's baby sister in this film is played by um, Candace Cameron, who's best known as playing DJ in Full House. I remember once a long time ago, like a, I'd say like a million years ago, I was hanging out with a friend and we were listening to the Smiths and they have a song called Panic. And I don't know if you know that song, but there's a lyric in that song where he says, kill the DJ. And he goes, oh no, sorry, he says, hang the DJ. My, my, my bad. Hang the DJ, 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 hang the DJ. And I was playing the song in front of my friend, and my friend turns to me and he goes, Is this song about DJ from Full House? Dude, you need to shut up. (laughs) What a dorky story. What a dorky episode. I hope you had fun hanging out with your dorky haunted pal. Thank you so much for spending time with me. You could have spent this time hanging out with some other dork, but no. You chose to hang out with me, and I really appreciate it. Let's do this again next week, shall we? We'll talk about some other movie. Or movies. I don't know. We'll talk about movies. (laughs) Anyway, um, I really appreciate the time we spend together. Please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Until next time, aloha.